Welcome to Grow Goodness with Grace. I'm Sophie. And I'm also Sophie. And today we are here to talk about the shit everybody thinks but nobody wants to say. Okay, so today we are interviewing Neil Jurley, who is not only my cousin, but the founder, owner, operator of Happy Hour. Um, so I'll just kind of let you take off from there and I'll ask you questions as we go. But basically, I want to know everything. So I want to know like how you got started, how long you've been doing this, where your career is at right now, all about the app, like everything there is to know. So our podcast, again, I think I told you this the other day, but we do like like we're both small businesses, so she does photography. I have all my shit going on. Um, and so we do like some health stuff. We also do like lots of small business and kind of giving people pointers along the way. So you can kind Sweet. of do your whole spiel. Um, and now you're full time too, so I want to know all about that. Yeah, sure. so how you got started though, like from the idea. From the idea. Um, okay, so a little bit about my background. I was born and raised in Minnesota, in the Twin Cities. I went to an all-male military Catholic and college preparatory <laughs> high school. Uh, uh, I got the free ride full scholarship because my stepdad was a teacher there, so I ended up getting uh, the chance to go there, which was awesome. Uh, I left there, went to the University of Iowa, where I studied finance and Spanish. Uh, but I had always had an interest in technology. I don't know if you remember, but I would come to your house and, like, bring my computer and, like, build video <laughs> game levels and things. And uh, so I'd always been interested in technology. Um, and then over the summer of my sophomore year, I got an opportunity to do an internship abroad program in Madrid, Spain. And while I was there, I got placed at a technology accelerator program as an intern. And after the first week in Madrid, I got invited to go to some bars for happy hour or whatever, and uh, went to the bar, had a handful of pints, and then I got my check back and recognized or realized that I was paying eight euros per beer, which at the time was like $12. Holy and shit! <laughs> and I was thinking, like, I'm on a scholarship. I This is my first week. I still have three more months to go. I'm going to be on the next flight back if this, <laughs> if this type of spending continues. So um, I left the bar, and I thought there's got to be a way for me to find food, and drink specials happening nearby so I can make a better decision going forward, extend my Euros throughout the summer. Um, unfortunately, the next week came and the same problem happened, except this, <laughs> this time when I left the bar and restaurant, I noticed all of these other bars and restaurants in this plaza area that were relatively empty and they had people passing out flyers and they had their chalkboards on the sidewalk, but they weren't driving any traffic in. And I thought, not only is this a problem for me as a consumer who wants to know what's going on near near me, but it's a problem for these bars and restaurants who want to drive that traffic and inform the, the customer, but don't have any good mechanism to do so. And so I thought, well, if I could solve that problem here in Madrid, it would work in Iowa City where I was going to school, it would work in Minneapolis. So uh, I got started right away. Mm -hmm. uh, I spent half the summer in Madrid kind of hashing out a business plan when I got back to Iowa City, started teaching myself how to code. Uh, I realized within about three months that I, that was not going to be sustainable. I would need to find a co-founder who knew more about computers, so I did that. Um, took me about six months to find him, and then another. How did you find him? Where did you find him? So he was actually my buddy freshman year in college. He lived, I think, a couple floors above me in the dorms. 
Um, and then we had just touched base because I was newly, you know, had this project basically and looking for a co-founder who had the technical skill set. And at freshman year, I didn't know that he was going to be going into computer um, engineering, but this was a couple of years later. And so I found that out and we reconnected and uh, got started. Okay. So built first version. It took about a year and a half to get to launch. Everybody thought that this was going to be such a failure. They're like, Neil came back <laughs> with this idea. He started. He's totally failing. Uh, has Grandpa ever invested? <laughs> no, he has not. No, no, it took forever to get the family to come around. Actually, like, the first year and a half was probably one of the hardest years, year and a half of my life, really, was, like, trying to convince people to help me. Um, mm-hmm. And I didn't have any money to pay. So yeah. I got my co-founder on board. I found my first mentor, and he really helped us get to launch. And so we launched the first version of the product. And uh, they say if you launch a perfect product, you've launched too late. And so, of course, it sucked. Uh, <laughs> but it worked. It, it worked. It proved the concept. We got a ton of downloads. We got a ton of great feedback. Um, and then we kept building off of that. By the time I left Iowa City, we had like 25,000 downloads. So we this had, was in Iowa City? Yeah. That you launched. And at that point, how many companies, bars, whatever, like were on the app utilizing your service? It was only like 25. Okay. Well, I still think that's a lot. Yeah, it was a really condensed area where we launched. So like all the bars and restaurants were right next to each other. So that was really helpful. It was a perfect place to launch. Um, So yeah, it was a good good number. But of course, at that point, it was free too because we were still testing it out. We were listening to the customer. Uh, but it, it was working. People were really liking it. So after that, came back to Minneapolis, had to get a real time, a real job. Uh, <laughs> so sucky. <laughs> but I, cont- I know, continued building the business. And I actually got, ended up doing IT consulting at a liquor distribution company. And we found a lot of amazing synergies within what they're trying to do, which is help their customers sell more of their products. And what we're trying to do, which is literally the exact same thing, drive people in, sell more products. Um, so we've got some really interesting dynamic there that we found, and we're we're pursuing that as well. We've got some good relationships in the industry. So it all really came full circle. It just took a really long time to get there. <laughs> yeah. So you took it from Iowa City, came back to Minneapolis, um, and now I know you do it full time. So how long did that take where you were able to finally quit? Because you just did that like when I saw you this summer, right? Yeah, it was towards the end of so- summer. I think September 1st was like my first day full time. Okay, so how long from when you moved back to when you could do full-time? I think it was about two years or something like that. Yeah, it was really hard because, uh, you know, I had to save money, enough money to where I can, if I go full-time, I'm not, like, panicking in the next two months, three months. You know, yeah. I need to have some, some sort of runway. And I had to have a really, really good plan. And before, we had a good plan and a good product that was working, but we hadn't recognized some of these industry synergies before. And so, luckily, I stuck around at my job because I eventually got placed at the the distribution company. Yes, you could discover that, yeah. Yeah, so that was actually lucky, but it it was really frustrating as well because, you know, I would go to 9 to 5 and then come home at 5, work from 6 till 1 or 2 a.m., and then wake up, do it again. Lots of hours. Lots of hours. hours into that. So what is so then you came um, full time in September. What does your schedule look like now? And then I um, after that question, I want you to like break down the app and explain like the yeah. entire app to people and what it is. <clears throat> so as far as like my schedule goes, it totally depends on the day uh, and what what we have as priorities. So when we first when I first went in September, it was like probably even more than I was working before. <laughs> it was like all day long. <laughs> 
Um, we had some really high priority things that we had to get done and um, move forward. And then now it's, of course, with like the quarantine and the bars being closed, things have slowed down a little bit. But we have a lot of really good conversations going. So, you know, I've got phone calls, meetings, investor meetings, pitches, things like that throughout the day. Um, and what was the second part of the question? Describe what, what the business <laughs> yeah. is. Yeah, I want, like, if I'm going on right now and I'm going to download Appy Hour yeah, as a consumer, that. I want you to tell me what it's going to look like, what it's going to do for me. And then on the flip side, I want you to, to, like, kind of pitch me. So if I am a business and I want to have my business be on your app, how that would look like. So first consumer standpoint, then business standpoint. Sure. So for the consumer, it's super easy. It's literally the fastest and easiest way to find live food, drink, and event specials happening near you at local establishments. So what you'll do is you'll download Appy Hour, free download, no login required, available on iOS and Android. Uh, you'll download the app. It'll ask for your location. Once it has that, it'll t- show you everything that's going on near nearby. Right now, we're only in the Twin Cities, Iowa City, so you might not get full use out of it, but you can at least yep. check it out. Um, so it's really just the fastest way to discover what's happening near you. And then for the bars and restaurants, it's it's a smart mobile marketing platform uh, where we give our customers the tools to schedule and create these specials, promotions, and events, and the power to notify consumers nearby with push notifications and a real-time deal feed. Then we also offer analytics so our customers can gauge the success of their specials with um, gauge the success of their specials and optimize their offers to help them meet business goals essentially Um, that is so interesting so if i post them i mean i know it's different because i'm not a bar but just hypothetically if i post something like we're doing wings at 3 p.m today then you offer something so you can see like you bumped that post and then how many people came and got the wings type of a thing exactly yeah so it's like a a curated fully curated instead of seeing facebook ads it's literally just every food deal that you ever wanted right there because i know we were talking about that before and how frustrating it is when you throw something on facebook and like maybe 10 people see it and then the next day like a thousand people see it and you have no idea why and I think as like a business that's trying to market especially in the food and drink industry because it is so large and I think we talked about this the other day too and granted it's hard to relate because WAP to me of like you know, the Wilkin. His dad loves the Wilkin. Everybody um, loves the Wilkin. Everybody loves cheers the Wilkin. Cheers to the Wilkin. Yeah, cheers to the Wilkin. You've got to come up and hit that up. But anyways, and so in Fargo, like, um, especially downtown, I think it's so frustrating because, like, you don't even know half of the restaurants that are there. And then if you do, you don't necessarily know, like, what they have and what they're advertising. And so I'm, like, pushing. I know I keep telling this, but I'm like, you're going to make it to Fargo. We're coming to Fargo to do this because I think it's such a good platform. Um, so if I'm going to do this from you as a standpoint of a business, is there, like, different – levels you offer different plans do you know what i'm saying like how how does that structure look like for you yeah so there's a tiered monthly subscription fee for our customers and that'll just be the determinant of you know what feature sets you're getting um so our base package is only 99 bucks a month but it's not as robust as as our next two so we've got our silver gold and platinum we're still building a couple of those tiers out at this point okay um but the idea is at scale it'll be a multi-tiered subscription fee. Um, and then we also have an advertising component of the business, too, for uh, local brands, supplier brands, product brands. So liquor, um, primarily liquor, beer, and, and wine. Um, but that's how we make our money. Okay, awesome. And then when you're doing a subscription, is it like you have to sign up for so many months, or is it month to month? How do you do that? 
right now it's month to month, but we're looking into, you know, if you do sign up for a year, you get a discounted price, those types of things, mm-hmm. kind of different pricing mechanisms. Not that we've had any problems with what we're doing now, but it just makes more sense to lock in customers for a year as yeah. well as for us. And to then people appreciate that because then they get a discount. Exactly. And yeah. it gives us a longer time frame to make sure that we're giving them the right service as a customer and really learning from them versus like if they sign up for a month and they're maybe they're not using it as often as they should uh, or aren't adjusting their specials then that doesn't give us a lot of time frame to go in and, and have a good conversation with the customer about how they can improve so do you offer um just say i'm a client and i don't have any idea what the hell to do and like why it's not really working for me would you specifically meet with them or do you have like would your you know, business partner, whatever, go and meet with them and say, this is how you can utilize it better? Or how do you structure that part of it? So there's a couple different things. Um, the first would be either get on a, on a phone with them or when we stop in just to see how they're doing and then kind of show them things that we think might work better. Um, but then on the other end, something we're working on, which is really cool, is data-driven deal recommendations and insights. So rather than me going in and telling them that, hey, on Wednesday you should have pushed out a deal at 2 p.m., We'll have some uh, an automation on the back end that will take all of the historical data from the past, say, two months, find what days have the best opportunities for that particular customer to uh, get a lot of views and traction engagement on the deal feed, and then recommend what type of special they should push. So that way it takes a lot of load off of our shoulders of having to do that, as well as it gives a much more accurate prediction of what's going to work versus us just trying to analyze the data ourselves. So do you have to code all of that and, like, do all the technology behind that to get that out? Is that, like, on you and your business partner's shoulders to do that? Yeah, yeah, everything <laughs> is, yeah. Yeah, so it's uh, it's like uh, machine learning and artificial intelligence. It's becoming more common, you know, common ground now, but um, there's still a lot of intricacies with it. And there's a lot of different things that you can, <laughs> different data points that you can drive like, from <laughs> from that, those types of, uh, I guess, algorithms. But, yeah, it's all super doable. It's just a matter of time and brain power. So did you teach yourself how to basically do that as you were starting to push this business? Because I'm assuming right away when you start, it's like you like anything like it sucks and then you have to like learn and learn and learn do you have to like teach yourself as you're going through this I know that he kind of probably knows because like you said he went for computer engineering but so hard (laughs) yeah there's a lot um as far as like my knowledge base I learned taught myself how to code a little bit but then I realized I needed needed my space yeah MySpace. 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 I needed I needed uh, the co- to bring on the co-founder, but I at that point I had already done enough research to know what we needed to do. So it was like, I'm not just going to say build an app. I'm going to say we need to have the app built in a way where the product is extensible. Our backend databases has a structure where we can pull this data and build an algorithm like this. So it's not like we're just throwing stuff on the cloud and praying that it works. It's like really mm-hmm. thought out. Um, it's really thought out in the way that we built it, but I wouldn't know how to build it, if that makes sense. I know how it should be built, but I don't know how Which, to build it. Yes, that's right. Like, know. that is so confusing. <laughs> Not that I didn't, like, I know you're so smart and driven, but I'm like, wow, you're so, so smart. Because <laughs> like, computer's like, so hard. So is your co-founder, is he working full-time at this tour? What does his job look like right now? So he's currently working for a big bank as on their technology, um, but he's doing this like 
you know, a lot of a lot of the week, especially he works from home uh, full time for his full time job. So that okay. gives him some flexibility during the day to, to um, get some happy hour work done, too. But he's been killing okay. it for us. And so our goal is to get him full time sooner than later so we can really rock and roll. So you both want to be full time? Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So what is your um, – okay, so what is your – I'm going to ask you two things because I just completely always forget. I should have wrote these down. Okay, what's your next step in the business? Like what does that look like for you? And then what does it look like for you when you're done? Because I know we had talked about before like – potentially people when they make some type of technology company, like the goal is to maybe sell and then maybe start a new one and stuff like that. So I want to know like next goal for you, like right now in your life. And then what it looks like maybe 10 years. I don't even know. Like five. timeline. Five, five, five years. years. Five, five years. years. 10 years is a long yeah. time. I know. Five 10 years, years is like, <laughs> You're like, shit, no. I hope I'm still kicking it in 10 years. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so short term uh, outlook is we're raising our seed round investment seed investment round uh and that's going to help us get a lot uh, grow our traction in the twin cities reactivate iowa city and then plan how we're going to scale in additional cities through strategic partnerships um we've already and got- you had said about i want you to tell me a little bit about that distribution because when i was thinking of it um you had said this person owns like you know all of those places and then i i i guess like my brain wasn't realizing like you could like find the top dog who owns all these restaurants and then maybe get in that way so sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you but i kind of want you to talk about that too no, no, no problem. Um, so on the way the distribution side works, it's actually three-tiered industries. So if you're a bar or a restaurant, if let's say you produce beer, you can't go directly to the bar and restaurant and sell that beer. There's a law that bans you from doing that. You have to go through a distributor. Yep. And so the distributor has I all – I did not of, know that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's weird. It's weird. It's like – some prohibition law stuff but um, so you have to go through a distributor that distributor then goes to all these bars and restaurants and says hey we've got all these cool products but we recommend you buy this one or we want you we think you should add this one to your wine you know selection or whatever and then the customer would then buy from them and what we found was well these people are already offering the customer all these products why don't they offer them a great service as well And not only are they offering them a really delightful service that's going to help drive traffic, but they're also going to now have the opportunity to say, hey, we want you to – we know you're on happy hour. We have this new beer product. We think it would be a great fit, and we'll help you promote it by let's add add it into your happy hour account, add it on your deal Mm -hmm. feed, and let's promote it that way. And if you do that, this supplier or this brand will give you a discount on your happy hour or a discount on your purchase if you promote through happy hour, right? So there's a lot of unique synergies with that. Yeah, And is that how you learn that through, like you said, your IT for the liquor or whatever, you know? Is that where you kind of found that relationship where you were kind of maybe utilized it versus like going into a specific bar and saying, we're going to do this. Now you can like have this whole new relationship. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. That was, that was when we found that out. Uh, Did you ever envision anything like when you first started that it would be like that? Because I'm just like, Whoa, it's so cool. Yeah, no, we I had no idea actually, and you know, we were just trying to solve that very first problem, which is how do we drive traffic into bars and restaurants, and how do we get the consumer the best deal? But luckily, you know, I was put at uh, the distribution company and recognized that there's a lot more value we can add than just the the bar to consumer, and we can add a lot of upstream industry value as well. So that was really exciting, and it 
really a big breakthrough and a, a, a big differentiator. And to already have those relationships in place has been tremendously helpful as well. And we always talk about, um, like, establishing business, um, who you know. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, literally luck. Like, there's so many times where I say it to Sophie because I, like – I talk about this all the time on here, but my goal is to get Dax Shepard on the podcast because I just like love him. I think he's so funny. He does armchair expert. If you've ever um, heard his podcast, he's funny, but that's my goal. And we just talk about like, literally it's like, how would you do something like that? But it's just like luck and like this game. It's like who, you know, is literally gets you the furthest, which is so important when you're developing. And I know you're like, great. Like you can talk to anybody. So like when you're developing those relationships and like, it's so important, like, you know, I hate to say it, like that should not be your drive necessarily, um, to establish relationships, but also you don't want to, you know, you always want to be creating that opportunity for yourself because you never know how a person might be able to help you down the road. And I don't want to yep. say that, like, that's your only reason, but I just think it's so important. And I think it's so, like, I feel like that for you, too. When you had told me the other day that, um, about that distribution company, I'm like, that is a huge breakthrough. It's such a different structure of, like, maybe what it would look like for the business, but, like, how many more people you can reach through that and, like, the opportunity you can set. And I just, like... I've always believed in the business since day one. <laughs> I you, love Sophie. your business. Thank I'm always you, like, I, I love it. You I were probably so one cool. of the only ones early on, and I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Grandpa talk about it all the time because he's always like, you or Neil will be the first one to a million dollars. And I was like, my business is not lucrative. I love it. <laughs> well, you just got to find this mo- model for scale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And I know, it takes like, time. That's the thing, too. If people don't realize it takes time, like you said, luck. But it's not luck. It's it's a matter of putting yourself too. in position to take advantage of these opportunities. Mm-hmm. I remember that goes back to like this whole luck thing and like how these kind of relationships happen. But when I first launched the business, I wore this sweatshirt every single day. I got I know, I love every it. single person. <laughs> when you would make those videos on Facebook, it was so great. Yeah, I had uh, <laughs> I had some I and I had to do all of that. Like there was nobody to help me do any of that. And then. Um, when I even when I got my full time job, people would ask me what I do for a living, and I always said I, I have a business. I never told them about my nine to five job because I didn't know if they would be they, I wouldn't be any value to them, and they wouldn't be any value to me. Not yeah. that you know, not that that's a bad thing necessarily. You can still have friends that don't bring ba- value to business, but if I wanted to identify people that could help me and vice versa, I needed to always be talking about the business, and you set yourself up to have some a guest superstar on your podcast by talking about it yeah you know and by and by having the ambition and the persistence and the the resilience and the grit to to make it happen but um yeah it's it's a matter of really setting yourself up for it and not having expecting other people to do anything for you and I think it's so admirable to do that and and to realize that because I feel like as starting out a business there's so many things that like like, it, it's all on you. Like you said, like, it's all on you all of the time. You're your own marketer. You're your own um, promoter. Like, every – all of that, those categories you have to do as well. And there's so many things, like, in your bookkeeping, all that mm-hmm. stupid uh, stuff. So it's just, like, the, worst stuff. the yeah. worst stuff. And so it's always literally just, like, you just – have to do it all and put in the hours and stuff and I I love that you say that because again like it sounds bad but it's not it's like 
when you're when you have your business and we're, when you're trying to make those relationships and friendships, it's more so you're looking for the opportunity, but also you have to be so protective of your time because, like you said, you're working from nine to five and then you're working till one in the morning. So, like, you have to protect your time and space as well, and to know like where you're investing your time is gonna you know, come back to you as well. So I point. think that's like, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it sounds shitty, but it's not, it's just like where, you know, where your thought process is. Um, and then I want you to tell me now. So, well, I have so many more questions, but okay. So <laughs> yeah. first let me, let We've me, uh, yeah. You tell me where you think like ideally let like the span of this business where you're going to be the co-founder um maybe like what you envision it to be and do you hope to sell yeah um so the vision kind of the long-term vision of it is to really build a scalable uh business model that's ubiquitous from city to city so if you fly from fargo to minneapolis and then minneapolis down to let's say tampa like Uber, kind of. Right. You should be able to fire up a happy hour, and it should work yeah. everywhere. I think, and I think that would be the ultimate dream. Do I think it'll get there to every city? I don't know. Yes, um, it will. I'm, I'll, I'll be right. like, we've got, I download a happy we, hour. We, want it, we have some major cities that we're targeting, um, but the idea would be like to have it be very ubiquitous, um, and then eventually sell. So that that might happen after you know the first few cities that people are like you know they want to buy it and they help expand it and grow it, and if they're going to be better people to be the steward of that mission then that might make sense so i'm not against selling but i would hate to like sell something too early and yeah. i would rather go for broke than to like sell for very little and not see it all the way through yeah. we i remember when we first started i had an offer to ba the guy basically was he didn't say he was buying the business but after i got the offer he was buying the business and he like put a low ball offer but at the time as a college student i'm like oh wow i would have like all this money and uh but it was just very clear to me i was like that's stupid you know i want to yeah. see it through i'd rather not have this money and see what happens than than to like regret taking anything and i think when you start a business um it would be almost hard not to because like literally when i first heard about what you were trying to do i was like this is gonna be like i know there's like year pro years process of this and like so much hard work and stuff but when I first heard of it, I'm like, this, it will. Like, I can't see it not turning into something like Uber because it is so convenient for consumer, for client. Like, it's just quick and easy. And so I think that it will be huge one day. But I just can't imagine, like, especially because it's, it's like your baby, like not, yeah. <laughs> like, not going through and finishing it. But also, like, we had talked about it this summer where you were like, yeah, but you, you make these companies, you know, maybe eventually to sell as well. And so I just feel like that would be so tough. Like after you sell a company, do you, I'm assuming you don't work for it anymore. Like, is that kind of how it goes where you'd sell and then you're just like, or maybe you do, I don't know. Or you sell part of it. Or sell yeah. part of it. Yeah. Well, when you raise investment, like fundraising, do any type of fundraising round, you are essentially selling some of your business, you know? So it, it comes to a point where, you know, if you have enough investors or so many investors in your company becomes huge, you might not own more than 10% of it, but you still might be the largest shareholder. Mm -hmm. um, but usually what happens in a situation where a company is acquired, the key, um, key components of that business, so like the technology person, the lead marketer, maybe the founder, the CEO will stay for a couple of years. It's called like an aqua hire where they acquire the business and then they hire the key um, key components of that business so that's typical and then what 
what happens is you either work for a year or two years, they pay you very generously, and then at the end of that two years, then you get the money that they said they would buy it for, so you have to kind of, like, vest your money. Oh, okay, okay. Um, but it just depends on the structure of the deal. Sometimes it's all cash. They just want the technology, or they just want, you know, a few pieces of the business or the brand or just the, you know, yeah. the trademark. It just depends. Okay. Um, so do you think hypothetically, like after, like if that all played out, if you guys did all of that stuff after whatever, so much of time, and then you like stop working for the company, do you think you would want to do it all over again and make another company? Or do you think you would just be like, okay, I'm going to go find something else to do now? I feel like, <laughs> Cause I, I would... feel like you're, you're just like, you have tons of energy and you, um, like, I feel like you get bored if you did anything else. That's how I feel about it. I, you know, I can't imagine not having something to work, wake up and like have to work on every day. So I would for sure find something else, whether it would be like, you know, I, I have a lot of international interests and like things that I'd like to try to do internationally from a business standpoint, where I think there's some opportunities. Um, and I love to travel. So that would be like a great mix of both. But I, I even if this failed, which I don't see happening at this point. Um, oh, it'll never fail. <laughs> but um, even if it did fail, I would probably start, I'm, you know, already thinking of a billion of things now that you just mentioned. It's like, if, if, I <laughs> I know. if I didn't have happy hour to work on, what would I do? It's like, hmm. And then, you know, things pop into mind. I, but the problem is I don't really have much time to think about either way. It's like, if it fails, what am I going to do? If it's super successful, what am I going to do? It's like, I'm in the day, I'm in the now, then this is like what I have to focus on. And so I try not to get too distracted. So if you hypothetically, which I am 100% confident you will succeed and like be huge, but hypothetically speaking, if this were to fail, would you ever look back and be regretful of the decisions you made with it? Not necessarily like, um, I don't, okay, I'll rephrase that. With the amount of time and money you invested in all of this work would you ever look back with regret or would you how would you view that just for somebody who's doing a small business and maybe has failed or maybe will fail like I hate to say it like yeah, that but just words true. of advice I've seen a ton of companies start and fail um so it's just like a it's just the reality of like startups you know it only take you only have to be right once and that's like the exciting part about it um but if so the question is if it were to fail would I regret anything no uh-uh and the reason I say that is because I've learned so much outside of like just finance and like technology, but it's like how to network, how to create a pitch book, how to do accounting, all of these tiny things. And then the best part about it is the people that I've met through this is a lot of those, like I said, I was always talking about the business. So I always found people to surround myself with who would help me with the business. Mm -hmm. And these are the types of people that no matter what business you're in they're a great resource and great advisors and mentors and so there's you know I would if I would have never started happy hour I would have never met these people and developed these relationships so I there's no no way I would regret anything at this point I yeah I think that's so awesome I think it's a very common um, answer that you would get from somebody who owned a business um, just because of the skills you develop and it's so interesting because 
you just look back at yourself and like my business is so different than yours but you just look back at yourself and you're different. like we're you know we're all different. yeah we're all very different but then you're like wow I used to be so shitty at communicating with people and like all of that stuff and like all of these skills you get to develop and even though like social media social media yeah. social media I used to be very bad at social <laughs> I, media I'm I still better. am I'm working on it social media sales is huge marketing like being you know going out of your comfort zone literally you know every single day is out of your comfort zone and then before you know it nothing's uncomfortable anymore you know I love that you say that so much because I literally like every single yoga class I teach you like say something at the end and I always say find comfort and discomfort because that is where you grow and then you're you're so true because like nothing's weird anymore then you're just like I just got to do it because that's how you get there and I think that is such an important lesson to anybody who owns a business or wants to start a business is like you're always uncomfortable for such an, a long period of time. Yeah. Like, everything you do is weird and new, and you suck a lot of the time, but that's how you get good. And that's how you get resilient, too. Exactly. There's a ton of micro failures along the way that you just kind of don't remember, or, you know, it's like the first time you failed doing something, like, all the time, every single day, I, like, I still fail. Um, and you have to ask people to invest. Like, you do that a lot, right? Like, you go to a meeting and try to get investors. So you do you hear – well, obviously, because we all do, but like you hear no a lot in that sense. How how is that? I want you to talk about that. Actually, how was that first time hearing no versus to now? Like, if you were to go in and just ask somebody to invest and they said no, um, I'm assuming it's got to be a lot different. Yeah, it's interesting because you know, like you read about the Silicon Valley stories of like, oh, this guy had a startup idea and he went and he pitched investors and he got money and then he raised, you know, a ton of cash and built the business and sold it for a billion dollars but that's generally not how it happens but when that's kind of what you hear in your you know all around you or that's happening all around you you think that's what you have to do so I remember early on before I had found my co-founder I had the idea I had like built the whole idea out and I was like if we can raise you know I called some development shops and like outsourcing agencies and I was like okay if we can raise like 50 grand I'll be able to get this the first version out and um, the best thing I ever heard at that point was, no, nobody would invest. And that mm-hmm. really sucked to hear. I was like, no, but you don't get it. This idea is, like, super good. Like, this is going to be unreal. But the reality of it was you have to kind of build the hard way to make raising money easier in the future. But mm-hmm. I heard no all the time. Uh, I still do to this day. I had a call the <laughs> other day. He's actually a good uh, – he's becoming a good friend and, and mentor to me. But – He's like, I'm not investing in the business until, you know, you do this, 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 and this. Or um, I heard it's too early. I heard uh, it's not the right type of business we invest in. Um, I've heard all sorts of things. Oh, it might, it's going to be too expensive to launch or how, you know, it's going to cost too much on research and development. Whatever it might be, you hear all of it. Um, but those aren't the type of people that we want to invest in. You know? Right. Did that take a lot of you hearing no for you to learn um, who you want to be yes. in it with you? Yes. Definitely. You see a lot of people's, I mean, character as well as like their business ability when you do these types of pitches and meetings. Yeah. Are they asking the right questions? You know, a lot of them aren't even asking the right questions, and that's a, a red flag. So if they say no, it's not a huge deal. Um, but yeah, it gives you a lot of insight into the type of investor that you want. Recently, we I had a conversation with a guy who built a huge technology business they ipo'd it a long time ago 
and then he retired and then he built another a technology business and then they ended up selling that and then he got called to build to help uh pivot a third technology business and then they sold that and so that guy is investing in our business and that's the type of person we want because they have yeah. that experience they have that understanding of how hard it is to build a technology business and what it takes um, and how to be do it successfully so those are the types of people but it takes a lot of no's to get to that type of person that'll say yes so maybe when you start because I can imagine like how soul crushing it would be like right away when you initially hear the word no do you feel like that was for you like do you feel like at any point when you first were hearing no a lot did you want to quit did you think it wasn't going to work did you feel like it was a failure initially or did you always, because right now I'm assuming like you say, okay, somebody says no, then maybe it's an opportunity to realize like, okay, they're just not the right fit and that's okay for me. Yeah, in the beginning, it's it's always hard to like hear no, but you get so good at it after a while that you just <laughs> like, it becomes nothing. It's like, you just move on to the next, it's a numbers game really. It's like anything else is just a numbers game. Um, hearing no for the first time sucks, but it helps you refine your pitch too. So when you hear no, I always ask, you know, what would could I have done differently, or what what's like the ultimate reason? And get getting that feedback is really good. Um, but which I think is such an opportunity thing because a lot of the times people are too proud or just like don't want to know why or like what was wrong. And I think it's such a good thing to turn it into an opportunity and be like, okay, like why did it suck? So I can make it suck less. Like I just think that's. I just love that, that it's, like, a very admirable trait to have, especially as a business owner, to understand, like, there's always room to learn and grow. And, like, if somebody says no, then it's such an op- – I do think it's an opportunity as well. So I, I hear no all the time. I know. Yeah. I love it. I hear no all the time. It's yeah. just – it's just it's it, it can suck at first, you know. It's like – but when you when you open it up and actually ask the right questions of why did you say no or why aren't you using the app or why don't you want to be our customer, what can we do differently, how could – you know, that's – it hurts to hear that sometimes, but when you, again, it's like getting passy uncomfortable or, you know, getting comfortable and mm-hmm. uncomfortable. That's how you make a better product or you have a better pitch. You refine, you know, you sharpen your edge when you, when you hear the nose and yeah. get the feedback of why. So it's, I mean, it sucks, but so you just kind of. what is like a big thing that you learned from giving your initial, like, first investor meeting, first pitch to now? Like, what is, like, the biggest trans... And tell us all. Like, if there's a ton, like, I want to know because I think there obviously has to be, like, so much crap that you do that's different now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Well, I mean, if we go back to the very first pitches, is like, I didn't... I wouldn't say we had even half of a a good business plan. (laughs) You know? It was more like, I know this is going to work in Iowa City. I bet you it'll work over here, too. And if it does work here, and if it does work there, we're going to make probably this amount. You know, I wasn't very convinced in my thesis. But that's hard, too, because you're you're still at a point where if I had the money, and it's always chicken and egg, if I had the money, I'd be able to prove how many downloads I can get or, you know, figure out what our user acquisition cost is. But without the money, this is all just kind of a guess. So then... And I'm assuming when you're pitching, people want to see numbers, right? Like... And they want Even to though, like, good... in my head, I'm like, okay, I would love the app. Like, if you told me about the app, I'd be like, yeah, let's go. Like, I don't even need to see numbers because, like, I just don't work that way. But I'm assuming investors, like, the bottom line is the numbers. Well, yeah, and they want to see that you're growing and what your path to mass growth is. Um, and it, it's early on when you don't have any of those numbers. It's just like a, you know, th- there's nothing Prediction. really to pitch. Yeah. Um, so that's what happened. But then as you build your 
user base as you get the feedback as you hear the no's and build a better product and then you start hearing more yeses and getting more downloads then you have something more compelling to pitch um Mm -hmm. so that was of course like the main ingredient is actually having like some real traction and and demonstrated interest in the product and brand that you're building um but then the numbers too right the actually having a sound plan of okay if we can get a thousand paying customers we're gonna do this amount in annual recurring revenue and that's only in one market so if we take that same model which we think is going to cost x amount of dollars per year to run in this market we can make x amount in profitability and if we scale that over four years in key markets now we're looking at this number which is huge um okay so and that's like what you that is like the numbers that you pitch then that's a good way to to for, and it again depends on the investors. Some investors, like the one that that uh, I had pitched, who was built his technology business, he was just interested in the story. He didn't even look at the numbers. Mm-hmm. I told him, and that's the, why I feel like that's what I would be if you told me the story. Like I'm like, tell me more about it. <laughs> yeah, and so I told him how I started and how many times it, I failed before we even got to launch, and like how challenging it was, and how great it was when we started getting users and we i actually saw it work it actually drove traffic in when i was at one of our customer establishments one you know like telling him that story was what sold him it wasn't any of the numbers he knew that if that story was true because he's a technology guy right he knows this type of investment game that that could be true at scale and if that's true at scale that could be freaking huge and and he's got a lot of money so (laughs) (laughs) i think that is so awesome well congratulations on that because i think it's so good and i just always get confused because you know as an investor i would assume like again because numbers right that's like probably how their brain works but i'm just like confused because i think if somebody is so passionate about it and if it's a great idea like I don't think that it has a ton of room for failure because if you're passionate about it and it's and like I said, the, the basis has to be good. Like the idea has to be good and you know, it has to work. But like, if you have those components, like you said, and the technology guy just wanted to hear the story, then if you get the right help, there's no way it's not going to succeed. Yep. So do you ever look to companies? Um, cause you had mentioned Uber and I was like, that's a really good point yeah. because that just kind of blew up and now it's all over. Do you look to companies like that and see how they maybe structured their plan of like, getting into bigger cities or do you just like organically grow and do what works best for you? Um, so if you look at any of those big companies, the, the one common denominator is after a certain point, they just raise a fuck ton of money. Okay. <laughs> like you can bleep that out or if they just raise. No, no it's okay. We are explicit. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, 18 plus. Um, yeah. 18 plus. 18 plus. They, they raise a ton, a ton of money. And then they use that for, you know, user acquisition, hiring drivers, training drivers, figuring out their internal processes for making sure cars are, you know, good enough to be on the road and they don't have all these extra liabilities ton on marketing i think i don't know if i would have to check their stock but i don't even think they're profitable at this point right but that's because they raise so much money and they put it all into marketing and that's how they get scale but they also ipo'd worth like what 20 billion dollars so there's intrinsic value there but they're not profitable company um at least yeah. when they IPO. What does IPO mean? I have no idea what that means. And I'm sure a lot of people who are going to listen to this don't know what that means. <laughs> okay, so IPO um, <laughs> is when your company sells to the public market. So an IPO would be like if Appy Hour all of a sudden became available on the NASDAQ stock exchange and you could publicly mm. trade my the Appy Hour stock. 
So like people could buy portions. Yeah, of exactly. Your company. Yep. Like what Logan oh, okay. did when the market crashed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so you buy parts of stock then, and then that's yep. your IPO. So, like, okay, okay, I get what you're saying then. Um, so, but they don't make money because they just reinvest, basically. Yeah, they reinvest. Is and that what you mean? They're, they're still figuring out their profitability. I would have to double check. I don't have the exact number. But, yeah, yeah, way, just, but, okay, hypothetically, yeah, yeah. But, like, that's kind of how that would work then. And the end game for these technology companies, including Appy Hour, is, I mean, if you can, if you can raise a ton of money and get – market share fast you're going to end up being being a winner or and that is the common denominator for those types of companies and yep and generally they come out of silicon valley so they're gen- they're well funded in the beginning too but again mm-hmm. it, it's not just like all of a sudden they're funded they probably have started in silicon valley i would have to double check but start in silicon valley work for five ten years get a ton of no's finally they get see the technology is going to work for them in their favor because everything's going mobile so now they go out and pitch more investors, and then they finally get a yes. They raise a million bucks. They launch San Francisco. They prove it, and then they go and raise another twenty million. You know, and then it goes mm-hmm. up. Um, so it's not so like it just So do you think overnight. it's? And I don't want to say it's luck because I know it's grind and grind and grind. But you, I mean, at, at some point it's luck because you have. It's not like there's one startup company. I mean, there's million startup companies and so at some point do you think it's a little bit of luck and knowing the right people along the way to get to that 20 million investment or do you think it's like tons of hard work or probably you know a little bit of both i'd say it's it's a bit of both i mean luck has something to do with it but also preparation the market that you're going after you know you might have a really cool product but it might only be good for you know, 100,000 people and of those 100,000 people how are you going to find them and even if you got all 100,000 potential customers are you going to be making money you know a lot of times the answer is no so it's just better not it doesn't make sense as a business um so knowing your target market and having a really good plan of attack for it is what's going to set you know somebody apart um i don't know if that was even the question i just (laughs) no 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 that's the question no i like that you can take it wherever you want um so what would you say to somebody, because you have such, I'm just so curious about it because like your type of business is so different than the businesses we ever surround ourselves with. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so what would you say to somebody maybe listening to this who's on the technology side of it or just, you know, a different business in itself that like some pieces of advice, especially for the beginning of a business, because obviously you've grown so much from the type of person you were when you first started. Is there anything where you were like, I wish I would have known this, or I wish somebody would have told me this or done this differently? Yeah. Um, so in, especially for technology, if it's not your core competency, so if you're, you don't have a, you know, computer science or computer engineering background not that you have to have a degree if you don't know how to code computers but you want to get into technology well then you need to find somebody who knows how to code computers (laughs) yeah being Uh, okay with that yeah and being okay with that right it's like not just you and I think that was a really big relief when I did find a co-founder was that finally like I've got a team member that can has strengths Mm -hmm. where I'm weak so that's number one is find a co-founder that's strong was that a hard I'm sorry to interrupt you about this but I'm kind of just curious about this because obviously it's your idea you have this great idea but now you do have to lean on somebody else because you don't have strength in that was it hard to accept that and then share your business with that I don't remember it being that hard honestly I (laughs) like my co-founder is one of my best buddies like he's been there from day one and so i had no problem when it came down to like actually getting the legal document in place that said you know here's how much equity we did you know discussed way early on like we committed to it 
Um, and I, I'm grateful for that. But I mean, it can be hard for some people, but it's, you just can't let it get to your ego. Yeah, and that's – We have talked about that. If you listen to um, – I know I told you to go over and listen to this one. So um, – but that was like – Put your ego aside. Yeah, basically like being a business owner, like you can't have oh, – <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you can't have an ego because like it gets – it's like just like the number one thing that blocks your way of like growing a successful business if you have an ego. Yeah. A big ego. Yeah, going back to that too is – or like the next piece of advice is – you can't have an ego because you, then you're not going to find the right people. But the second thing is, fi- aside from finding a co-founder, is finding a mentor. So I got really lucky when we found our first mentor. Um, but finding a mentor And what does that early, look like for you? Like how – when you say mentor, is that somebody that like has done this maybe before or – and has like been – you know, is willing to help you even though they're not investing in you? Is that like how that process would go for you? Yeah, early on especially is like you have nothing but an idea. You kind you you know know where you want to take the idea. So the way I look at it is I find people who have gotten past or beyond the stage that I'm at and use them as an advisor and learn from them. And you have mm-hmm. to be really humble to do that. It's like, hey, I really need help. So when I first found my mentor, I was like, my first one, it's like, hey, I've got this great idea. And I, you know, I'm looking to raise money to build it out, but I don't know if that's the right thing to do. Will you meet me for a beer and talk about it more? Mm-hmm. And, you know, we met for a beer talk for a while. And he's like, you should find a co-founder, which was, again, great advice, right, that I otherwise would not have gotten. And then um, second or third time, we met like five times. And I knew I needed this guy's help beyond just like go find a co-founder. So it took like five meetings and I showed him the idea. And I finally just asked to like, will you help me get this to launch? <laughs> you know, it just, and he was, after five meetings, you build that rapport, you build that friendship, you build like that. And it demonstrates you're, you know, not willing to stop. I wouldn't have yeah, stopped, yeah. you know, like I will just <laughs> keep taking you out for beer until you say yes. Um, and then he finally said yes. app and go out for a beer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, unfortunately it wasn't out at the time, but oh. um, <laughs> Yeah, and he—I finally got him to say yes, and then he's now he's on my board of directors. So we've—he's been a part of this since forever. Um, but Sweet. finding someone early on is like huge, huge. Find someone who you want to be like. And he had just gotten back from selling a, a business in Silicon Valley, so I was like, perfect. This is the guy. That I, <laughs> yeah, he was like that's the only so one in awesome. town too. So I was like, I need to meet this guy. And, um, and I love out. that because I think it's so funny. Like you see people or you know people, and you're like, I want to be like them, and. When I first, like, like I'm like, is it creepy? Like, if you message them and, you know, you try to build that relationship. But now I'm like, everything is mobile. Everything is online. And, like, why not? Like, why not bother somebody and try to get them to help you? Because everybody is a normal, you know, person, too. Exactly. Um, and the worst thing that they can say is no. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Know, it's like and you like, literally have nothing to lose. <laughs> Same with investor meetings. Worst thing you have to lose is, like, an hour. Yeah. yeah. And then, and then like the, but it's so crazy. Cause it's like, you just gain, you gain so much more than losing an hour too. Exactly. You gain so much more. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit. Um, we try, try to keep these around an hour. So we're just kind of almost hitting that mark, but I do want to talk to you a little bit about, because I know, especially in our family, um, like not having that belief behind you, I kind of want to know how you navigated through that because I think that's really tough. And there's like this goes back um so I'm in school right now and I know I talk about that all the time but it's just on the form and I think it's so interesting so when I like sit somebody down and go through like 
a health coaching thing that like one of the questions we ask everybody right away is like, if you're going to make this decision on like transforming your lifestyle, are you going to have support from your family? And it's like such a huge component. And so I want to know um, how you navigated maybe through that and like, when did people start believing in you and why kind of a thing too? Cause you said like first year and a half, no one believed in you. Yeah. <laughs> That's a really good question. It's one of the harder things to talk about for me just because it was like the hardest thing about the whole the whole setup when I first came back from Madrid everybody was behind it you know I was like I got this idea I'm gonna call it happy hour it's gonna show you what's going on right now near you at bars and restaurants gonna be awesome and I was like oh that's so great you know like this is awesome like let's get the name trademarked and all that Um, and then I was like all right so went back to Iowa City and started and it took me like six months and I didn't even have like a demo Um, and so, you know, anything after that six, first six months, like every time I called, what's going on with this? Why why haven't you launched it? You said you're going to launch six months ago. You said you're going to do this, you said you're going to do that. Um, super hard. And there's nobody in our, at my family, or I don't think yours, not, you know, within our family that has done what we're trying to do. You know, a lot of, I was raised in a household where you get your, get your job you work your way up the corporate ladder you rely on that stable paycheck and you mm-hmm. go from there where you know I grew and it's up- always like that mentality and Tyler and I talk about it a lot because he's very like I know he's like an engineer so like he he will just probably always work for somebody but he like he is always reading these books that are just like the five keys to successful people he like reads shit like that all (laughs) of the time it's so weird but he loves it and he always is like it's literally and he like thinks it in my family so much too and you just like obviously know with my family but it's like working for the man or being the man and like I feel like everybody in our family is like working for the man and so when you flip that mentality it's like completely different and nobody gets it yeah unless you're in it exactly and the problem is is people you don't become the man overnight you know what I mean? Yes. That's the, yes. the thing that nobody really understands is it's like takes tens of years. I, I read something about startups in like the software as a service space. And it's usually after year six or seven that they start getting traction, like big time, fast momentum and traction. But it's like those first mm-hmm. five years of just grit and persistence that really sets. It's like the, what do you call it? The ultimate filter. it's like the people that can make it past this and make it past these milestones will be successful but 90 percent are going to get their heads chopped along the way yes and I think it's so hard to be in your position where like you're doing technology so that just automatically sets you apart that it's going to take you so much longer probably than any sort of other business because like for mine like I can market and I can do these things and yes like my business was so different three years ago from now but like it it wasn't necessarily like is probably time consuming and tough on the technology side as it is for you and so again like I can just see somebody in our family be like oh Neil you said you're gonna make like my mom like, love you mom I know she listens to this but I feel like she'd be like Neil Neil did you make that app you said you were gonna make like did you make it in a month like I just feel like people just don't get it and so when you're trying to like this is my business goal like like, who's going to ask you in three years, like, oh, how's that going? You know, like, they're going to want to know right away. So I feel like that's where a lot of people tend to fall back and 
not necessarily not support, but just be like, doubt. Oh, it's, yeah, doubt. doubt, totally yeah, doubting. Yeah. You. Like it's taking a long time. What are you doing with your life? Like, why are you doing this? Why do you even want to do this? Are you making money? You're not even making money. Yeah. And then when they do, they're like, oh my God, my, my cousin is a millionaire. Yeah, yeah. I know. Like, oh, you should I know. check out his <laughs> We're starting to get to that point where now that we've got like investors and people are really starting to come around. Thank God. Right. It's like about yeah. fucking time. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's like now people are way more willing to be like, oh yeah, you need to check out this app that you know my nephew developed or whatever it is um, yeah it but it takes so long to get to that point and like just to go back to how do you cope with that is like you it's all on your own shoulders you know if yeah. you don't have that entrepreneurial family which i know we don't necessarily it's just like that's mm-hmm. why you find mentors and advisors fast that's why mm-hmm. that's like my number one piece because you end up becoming the people you surround yourself with and i've on my board are they're all entrepreneurs you know Jake, my co-founder, entrepreneur, tech guy, you know, and I, I really have a small circle. I've got some good friends. They're not necessarily entrepreneurs, but, you know, on my day-to-day work day, like these are the people I want to surround myself with are the people that think the same way I do. But that's why you have to find them because we don't, you don't really come from, from that. And I love that you say that, um, I think it's such a good piece of advice to say, like, you don't have to lean on your family because a lot of people do. That's like where you're going to get your backbone from. And I think it's really important to know that you can find other people to be that, to be those people in your life. So you need the support from other people. Um, don't get me I wrong. I, I do want to give my family a shout out. I love them. Dearly. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. You know, for sure. Yeah. Not that they, goes, they, they, yeah. you know, they're on a totally opposite side of, of the fence. Yeah. So like they're great. I, I love, I'm always like, I always have told her cause I don't think like, um, you probably never met Nick or Grace too, but I'm it. just like, Nick no, and Neil and Grace are like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. hopefully no one else is listening. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but no, really, I'm like, I love you guys so much. And so I remember when you started this business and I don't know if I was telling like my mom or whoever I was telling in my family, but I was like, cause like I do, I love you guys so much all for different reasons, but you three are just like the best people ever and so I'm like I never want Neil to get to a place where he's like a millionaire and he's too cool for me (laughs) so because I'm like I love you and I always like I'm always going to be so supportive of the business and so I'm like I just gotta like push push my support on you so you know how much I like love the idea because I I don't want you to be like oh I'm a millionaire no more longer friends but (laughs) no no no. Sophie I'm glad (laughs) that you think the way that I do as well I think that will be super successful you know it's it's hard yeah. as shit though that's the, the bottom it's line so hard anybody listening right now is it's very very challenging but if you care enough and find the right people and get rid of the negative energy even if it's your family mm-hmm. and you need to distance yourself from that then you have to do that and just know that it's a part of the journey um, it's a part of the process yeah the process. and they come around and unfortunately sometimes it's like like you say oh, you're making money now. Oh, that, you know, I wouldn't be supported. You know, not to say that's what's happening at all, but I'm just saying, like, sometimes you run into that mm-hmm. and it's tough. But, like, when you're – it's so funny because when we were talking about owning your own business and how hard it is, like, I feel like the first few podcasts we had, like, I – distinctly remember how much I've said to people I've cried like (laughs) even like right before we close the doors because like I can't obviously be working right now I had talked about like like the like four nights before we had to close the doors to the studio I was like crying every night and it was like just because I I was trying to find a different structure for the way I wanted to do my business because I was just like way too consumed in it and I didn't know like going forward I want like I always say to you too good it's funny because like 
social media was never like my background, mm-hmm. but I want like I don't want to be necessarily like famous on social media, but like I want to influence people and I think it's a good outlet. And so that's where like my goal is for that. And so I'm just like trying to figure out all these different yeah, thank you. Shoving me into social media. I'm gonna make you an Instagram account. But I'm gonna run this Instagram account for you. I'm gonna make you do this Instagram account. I hated it. I did not want to do it. And so but it's hard to find it's a lot of work. And that's exactly what I told you. I'm like, it's just a lot of fucking work. Like, I don't want to do it. And then it's trying to find the time and like how the business can be structured. And it's not overnight. It's like years of the grit. But then you look at your company and you love what you do so much. And it doesn't matter because like, I just think it's so cool. Like you made this app and it's your baby. And like, how cool is it that now you like full-time work for yourself and you get to go to work every single day to do this. And like in the grand scheme of things, yeah, it took a couple years, but that's like totally worth it in the end yeah yep. yeah i think mm-hmm. uh it's 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 a grind it's a grind but it is it's worth it and the, you know when you start seeing the light or at least the little glimpses of it you meet <laughs> the right person or the uh, the yeah you see the little <laughs> spark or you see a user using your product or you see somebody who just like completely transformed their lives through through yoga i mean it's like that's when you know it's like wow i'm onto something yeah. and i want to keep doing it and i wouldn't do it and any I- differently and I love that, um, the drive too for you. Cause I feel like, especially, I mean, you almost have to have this drive if you do your own business, but it's like, like, obviously you need investors cause you got to grow, yep. but like your priority as yourself, it's like, you don't need all the money like for yourself and you know, for your home and for your wife, like you don't need that. Like you want money for the business, but like your drive is not money. Whereas I think that it's just like such a heads or like mind space you have to be in. It's like, I don't want to be a millionaire. Um, I just want to grow the business and not to have money be your drive, but like the passion. And I think every, like every 10 out of 10, every time that we talked about the business, like that's just what it is for you. So I think that's like really cool that you have that as well. People ask like, you know, early on, you know, everybody's goal when you start a bit, a startup or something is like, Oh, I want to build it and like be on TechCrunch and sell it. But the the truth is, right. People are like, um, you know, why are you, are you in it for like the big payout? I'm like, if I was in it for a payout, I would have quit a month after getting into it because I, <laughs> yeah. you understand how long it takes. I mean, even if you make a million dollars after 15 years, think about how much of an annual salary that might be. I mean, not that much, Yeah, you know, not so that much. you can't be in it for the money. You just got to be in it to build something awesome and the money will come. Um, yes. But it's just, we a, talked about that last yeah. time. Yeah. We always talk about it. It's like, you know, the money comes and, and if you love what you do, it doesn't matter if it comes, but if you love what you do, it's going to come. Yeah, exactly. It's just kind of what happens with that. Um, well, I, I love what you're doing. I like wholeheartedly believe you're going to be so famous one day. And I'm going to be like, okay, this is so awesome though. And I, I do, I think you're going to be so good. I'm so proud of you for like pushing past all of this. Cause I mean, you're at such a good place in the career, but like, again, I see how it's just going to take off. Um, but I, we always like to kind of, well, I always like to kind of end with like funny oh. stories. Um, and I just like, I want you to kind of tell me a little bit about your rapping career. Maybe we can end on that. Because the last time I saw Neil was this summer. Um, I went up there for the weekend. And I distinctly remember we were on your mom's deck. And we were going to release a, a song. And what did you say? 2022? Yeah, 2024. 2024. Oh, 24. Yeah. 24. Life and of we a Lapdog. Like- album drop. Circa 2024. You guys can pre-order it in two years. It'll only be $9.99 on iTunes. Uh, <laughs> Music videos will be dropping sooner. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I had a sick rap career in the studio back senior year high school. I actually, my favorite song, Stuck in the Studio, is like, there's some lines in that song that I'm like, how could I even have thought of that? I love it so much. Mary said, um, okay, very vulgar. We might have to clip this out, but there's that part where it's like, weed and muddy and pussy and i was laughing <laughs> so hard because i was like what did your like neil and strong catholic school like and then uploading this on youtube yeah, it's it, so funny it didn't go down with the family again like family you know it's like i probably would have been a rapper if it wasn't for like family just you know telling me what to do but it goes back to being an entrepreneur just if you like rap be a rapper um <laughs> yes yeah, I was a little. And you're a good rapper. I was decent. I'm bad at it now. I I would I'll, <laughs> I have to get back into the rhythm once we uh, you know happy hour for another three years and then we'll do life of a lap dog. Um, yeah, I yeah. remember you were like we're on we're like Jason, your mom has a huge huge backyard and so we're like on the deck looking to the backyard planning this whole concert about how you're gonna like pop out of the back <laughs> oh, yeah. the two story deck. The concert, <laughs> you remember, the like, concert, everyone's yes. gonna like be in the backyard and I'm like all these people to your mom. Yeah, everyone's gonna have their lighters up in the sky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes. We were so into Light it. Show. And one of my yeah, one of my favorite memories, because I just always thought all my older cousins were so cool, but me and Grace were sleeping in grandma's loft at the lake, and you and Sam were sleeping downstairs having like a wrap off before <laughs> bed, and I just thought it was so cool. Like the freestyle. Sick. Yes. Sick. And I was Girl like, back. Oh, let's talk about the rap career. Stuck in the studio. Is it still available anywhere? Like, I can is it send even it on to YouTube? you. Like, no, it's yes. not. They made me my parents made me take everything off. And the funny thing <laughs> is I had a concert in Iowa City. My friend was like doing a show or something. It was just needed somebody to open with him. And Shut up. Yeah, I had a show and literally it, I probably brought there was like a hundred people there and they were all there to see me. Shut like they were all up. the whole time there was openers and like we were the last, I think, second to last before the actual like act. And they were all there to see me. They were just like, We want action Allen the whole time. <laughs> And uh, after we got off stage, we only did like two songs. I didn't even get to do "Stuck in the Studio." I was pissed. But oh, it's the best one. But I, it, it went well. Um, we got off the stage, and then literally the whole everybody left. There was probably like twenty people for the no actual way. guy. Yeah. It was. Uh, so maybe that'll be your career after you're done it, uh, yeah. with happy hours transition. Absolutely. Everyone will know you, and they'd be like, "I'm a rapper." No, now. I'm a rapper. Do you remember me? <laughs> Do you remember me? I just love it. I love your rapping. Um, please send me that song. I'll send maybe it to you. You can put it in at the, the end. <laughs> you can like add it in at the end of the podcast so people yeah, yeah, listen. Yeah, yeah. And then so put this as a listen. teaser in the beginning and be like, "Oh, I have to listen all the way to the end to get to the song." Yeah, yeah. Jack and I like were just rapping it the other day. We like everybody in my family knows it. I love it. It's funny that. I like very even. We were talking about the other day too, quick before we pop off, because I just forgot and it was so funny. Do you remember when Grace made that shake weight video? Do you remember? Not really. No. She made that shake weight video and it was so, because obviously the shake weight's so inappropriate. Yeah, the shake weight. I, I told you my mom asked. That's yes. so funny. Yeah, everybody And she was like on the treadmill and she was just like shaking it. And my mom thought it was so funny. And my mom showed your dad and my mom just like never understood. Your dad was so pissed and he made you, or made her take it off YouTube. And oh, it's was like, on you guys YouTube? could have been That's so hilarious. Oh, for sure. Yeah, she uploaded it. It was great. Yeah. And I was like, you guys had all of these like awesome funny videos and they just all had to be taken down but jack i think jack's gonna be like you like he has a ton of youtube videos he's totally yeah he loves you if i was entrepreneur yeah if i could go back in time and had such access to like cell phone video cameras and like all this stuff i would for sure be on youtube at least making like tutorials or like doing something because i was always interested in that i have like 
a video i'll have to send you a link of like a video game <laughs> level that i made and i'm like giving everybody a tutorial walkthrough and it's like super nerdy but um i was always interested in that. i think it's a great outlet youtube I love yes YouTube. i think it's so creative and i just like the only person no offense in my family that i can see like being with that brains jack like, mm-hmm. killed He'll for I sure think, be so I, cool. I saw his profile cool. the other day. He had, <laughs> so cool. he did like a TikTok, and he literally from the side looked like a young Justin Bieber. I was like, that's my he cousin. Does. Was, that's he does. He looks cousin. like Justin Bieber. I will send famous. you after this. Yeah, like I'll send you the picture I did a side-by-side of him and Justin, Do and it. I was like, you guys are fucking twins. Um, okay, we should wrap this up, but I'm going to tell you um, – so we always end this podcast saying I freaking love you because I taught Bo how to say – I freaking love you. And so that's how we always uh, close this out. Well, first, I got to um, plug Happy Hour one more time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Shameless plug. Give it, give shameless us all. Plug. Give us all. Okay, Happy Hour. Shameless if plug. you're in the Everything. Twin Cities or Iowa City, give it a download. It's Happy Hour, one word. It's an orange martini glass. I don't know if you're doing video or not, but that's what it looks like. Um, yeah. And then if you're not in the Twin Cities but want to check it out, I would really appreciate a download. You'll still be able to see what it will look like when it hits your town. But I just want your feedback. Again, happy hour one word. Give us a five-star written review. That would be hugely appreciated. (laughs) Follow us on Instagram at happy hour mobile. And then we're also on Facebook as well. And then if you have any questions, we're also doing an extended free trial for local businesses once their doors open back up. So if there are businesses in Fargo, that are listening to this yes and i love that like i'm pushing everybody in fargo tell your friends this will be huge literally so if, if, if we literally, got yeah. if we got 100 bars in fargo we would help them get on board we would give a 90 day free trial because we really want to help these bars open back up successfully it's going to be the yeah. whole landscape's going to be different people are going to have less money to spend so how do you drive those people in well give them a great promotional offer or you know so you're going to say free. three months free or whatever whatever yep. that what did you say yeah we, we can do yep. 90 days okay yep. So three months three free. Months if you don't like the service, you don't have to continue it, but I guarantee you will. Um, <laughs> if you don't, we'll give you your money back. Um, I love that. Yeah, and I'm going to push, like, Fargo. Like, that's that's my push for you. And so, yeah, if you, anybody is listening from Fargo, like, tell the local bar owners. Because, again, it's free. How can you not want to exactly. do it? And then you can push out these services. And then, like, you're still a small enough business right now where you can, like, help everybody with their shit. So, yeah, shameless plug, happy hour. Um, A P P Y H O U R yep. orange martini Good glass. Job. I like had to like happyhourmobile.com is our website, but you can connect with me, Neil at happyhourmobile.com. Sophie will link all this stuff. Feel free. Yes, to reach yes, out. I will link all of this stuff. I'm like number one advocate, so um, I want everybody to do it. Yeah, shameless plug. Um, but Neil, seriously, thank you so much for coming on here. Um, if I'm you pumped. ever want me to test some white cloth for you <laughs> on yours, let me know. You want to do the freaking binge drinking podcast session? Yes. We can do that. <laughs> Let me come see you in this horrible um, pandemic, and I will just, like, me and Grace will just, yeah, we'll test for you. Perfect. I'm not a very good taste tester, but I'll do it. I'm getting some other brands, hopefully, that'll send us. We got some supplies in the other day, and I'm hoping to get some more so we can throw up some more reviews. Yeah. Do your podcast. Do your podcast. We can do a digital. I need to maybe get on Squadcast. Maybe we can do a digital beer review. It's awesome. Squadcast is so awesome. I always am like, I don't, yeah, shout out. I don't know how to like tell them I love them so much. So I always am just like, Squadcast is so good at the end. But yeah, there's tons of really cool stuff on here. But thank you so much, Neil. I appreciate it. Love you always. We're going to, yeah, I freaking love you. Love you, you, Neil. Thanks.